five heads. 15 feet. One micro apartment. This is the monster that started a business. Uh, <laughs> hope y'all like our fun intros. We put a lot of work into a lot of creative energy. We put a lot of creative energy into trying to think of this. But what what does that even mean? Yeah. So today we are going to talk about um, well, we're going to talk about starting a business using the power of online things and internet stuff, but also using the power of money. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about what are the most what are the most viable ways to like bootstrap a business. And the reason we're talking about that is because it's something I think we get asked a lot by our friends and family and people who know us because they're like, that's cool. Y'all started a business like how I want to start a business. How did you do it? And I think typically they don't mean like what was your mentality or like what was your idea? They mean like, how did you pay yeah, for it? Like very tangibly. How? Where did you come up with the money to make this happen? It's a complicated answer. It is a very complicated answer. And the reality is there's like two big things you need to be thinking about when you're starting a business. This is sort of what we tell people. You need money for your business, obvious. Like you need to make that happen. You have to invest in, depending on the business, your initial investment is going to vary quite large. Ours was pretty low. but like Because we have an internet business. If you're starting, say, a pizza shop called Adobo in Knoxville, you're going to need a pretty big investment round and yeah. get some money in. Because you have to um, pay for like ovens. So so how do you do that without doing like the, the standard investment round where I'm going to go get seed funding from you know, some Joe Schmo. Um, how do you do that? How do you make these things happen? And really there's two buckets. So the first one is money for starting your business. Then you also got to think about how am I going to survive? Like day to day, where am I going to get the money to pay my rent? Where am I going to get the money to pay for the internet? Mm. Where am I going to get the money to get my eyelash extensions put in? I know that was a question that you had to consider. I, I grappled with that one quite a bit. You're a grappler. Quite a bit. Dog food was another big one. Dog food. Oh my goodness. We had to figure out yeah, how yeah. to pay for all the dog food. Spend too much money on dog food. Really, you have to cut back. You And you have to figure out what are the areas where I'm going to cut back and what are the areas where I'm not. And dog food was an area. We chose not to cut we back. We chose not to cut back. Yeah. So tell us about, tell us a little bit about that story. Where do, where do you get 15 feet? How does, how's that like a reality? Yeah, I I guess I should I meant like fifteen feet, like limbs, not like oh. square feet. Um, it was closer to two hundred and twenty square feet, but yeah. So when I when we were, this is a story of survival. First of all, this is my this is I want to share with people what I personally did to make it financially viable for us to start our business on my end. At the time, we should also probably note we weren't dating. No. Um. Not or we were friends, but we were not dating. We were not married. Mm-hmm. So that did change, I think, like the finances of what we were doing a bit. Um, but this is pre-dating, pre-marriage. Yeah, this is pre-all of that. So yes. we, I was freelancing. We were wanting to start a business. Where Where are you? I'm in like, Seattle. Oh. Yeah, Seattle, which is arguably one of the most expensive cities in America to live in right now. Housing is, yeah. hey, bitch. Um. So that was one like questionable choice I made to start a business in Seattle where it's really expensive to live if you don't work at Amazon. Um, but yeah, so we're I'm in Seattle. I have a roommate named Laura. 
she's beautiful and wonderful and I love her. And one day we'll talk about the business she has started. She was starting her business the same time I was starting mine. Um, oh, entrepreneurs flock together. Yeah. So she, we were living, when we first moved to Seattle, we um, got a two bedroom micro studio, which what, is confusing. Okay. What's, what is a micro studio? I've yeah. heard that term. What is that? And everyone, I'm clearly just playing the devil's advocate. I was there but I'm helping he also lives in a micro studio a separate one not the same one that me and laura lived in of course great um so micro studios if you're not familiar some people call them like home pod no uh pod apodments 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 um it's like a teeny tiny room like the size of most people's i would say like a large closet or Uh a laundry room um but it has it's like one room that has a bed a mini kitchen, like a kitchenette. So like by that, I mean a microwave, a sink, and a mini fridge is what we had going on. Nothing and else. Nothing else. And a shower and a toilet. Okay. So you got this. I will say it's only one sink. There's no bathroom sink and kitchen sink. Ooh. One sink. So you, and this is, yeah. So you're brushing your teeth in the same sink you wash your dishes in. And often you haven't washed your dishes, so you're brushing your teeth. Oh, goodness. Trying to spit away from the dirty dishes, which so might this be too much information <laughs> for a lot of people. Very possible. I don't know. So this is a small place, to say the least. These, these are tiny teeny, little rooms. Tiny. Yeah, they're much smaller than the dorm room I lived in in college. And so you and Laura are splitting a two-bedroom micro Yeah, studio. so like I don't know why it was set up this way, but they allowed us to like rent it as one unit. And it was basically two of these micro apartments that were side by side and had like essentially an adjoining hotel door is the best way to think about it. It was like, she had her own micro apartment. I had my own, we had our own kitchenettes, our own bathrooms, our own, you know, little setups. And then there was a door that went between them. Um, hers was about 220 square feet and mine was about 200 square feet, I think. Yeah. So I don't know how to like give people context. It was tiny. I mean, the best context yeah. I can give you is I could basically do anything I needed to without getting out of bed, except for go to the bathroom. I had to like actually get out of bed. Yeah, and go to, but like true. I could reach, I could like almost like put things in and out of the microwave from my bed. I could. Oh my goodness. Almost like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it real small, tiny space, teeny tiny space. So was this the sacrifice you made to start a business like living? No, in- that was like luxury. That was amazing. <laughs> like we both had our own spaces. Like it was great. That was, and that was, yeah, I think back to that time and I'm like, wow, what, how did you make what that abundance happen? I lived in? How did I do that? <laughs> um, no, but when we, we were both, I had come out and I was freelancing. We were deciding to pivot and start a business. Um, I was sort of grappling with like, okay, I've been doing this for a while. It's fun. I either need to get a real job or I need yeah. to, um, I lost my train of thought. Or I need to start a business. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Or I need to make this actually financially viable and put some energy into it and stop mm. just sort of like screwing around for lack of a better term. Yeah. Like just having fun in Seattle. Well, what were you doing for money at that time? Uh, I was freelancing. Um, what kind of freelance work? Uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Design stuff. I was working a lot with one, cl- you know, honestly, it was like anything that other people didn't want to do that involved the internet, like like posting on LinkedIn for their companies or like, I don't know. I, I really don't even know. And I don't even know how I found these people. Just sort of people would be like, oh, you need someone to like do some emails for you. I know a girl. Yeah. Um, I was also putting together a course and doing some work with uh, Barney Cohen. Mm. Um, 
and working, I would say like part time for him. It was some somewhere between a job and a freelance client. It was yeah. a confusing gray area at that time. Um, so you you were just living in Seattle. You had this freelance gig where you picked up a bunch of just random things. You weren't really focused on any one thing in particular, right. and you were living in a micro apartment. Yes, but in Cap Hill, which is a really cool neighborhood, really fun place, really fun place to yeah. live. Cool and place. with Laura, cool who's part of great, Seattle. right? Um, so it was fun. It was a fun time in my life. Yeah. Absolutely no career direction, and pretty soon the finances caught up. Like Seattle's expensive. Yeah, contacts we were paying. I think it was around 1500 to get like for both of those rooms and we were renting them as one unit again for yeah. some strange reason. Um, so I was paying about 750 a month in rent and not making super much more than that. I mean, so yeah. between that and the like, you know, food and going out and all that yeah. stuff, it added up quickly. Yeah. And I kind of pretty like got to a place where I was like, okay, I either need to like get a job, move to a less expensive city um, didn't want to do either one of those things or I need to be more serious about my business and yeah. start like taking it seriously and figuring out what I'm trying to do here, which is w- what business were you just freelancing or well, that's what <laughs> enter will <laughs> enter. We, yeah. Uh, well that was like around the time where we were again, still not dating, but talking about starting a business together. Yeah. Um, and we kind of decided like we were both sort of freelancing. Will had kind of a part-time remote job, um, mm-hmm. and we were like, what if we just go all in and like actually start a business? We'll call it online things and internet stuff because that's yeah. clear. Um, and you know, we wanted to do online education. We also wanted to do digital marketing cause that's part of, you know, there were yeah. these things we wanted to do with it, but we weren't super clear on it anyway. Um, and that, you know, we were having these conversations and I was thinking through on my end again, at this point, we're not dating, we're married, we're two separate entities with our own separate financial like needs and responsibilities. Um, and I'm thinking through, okay, how do I, if if we want to jump into that and I need to be like really focused on that and like, we need to be investing money in that, like not a ton because it's an internet business, like, you know, but there was some costs. Um, what does that look like for me financially? And I realized like what I'm doing now is not going to cut it. Like we're going to have to figure something out. So do I get a part-time job? I actually did get my my bartending certificate around that time. Partially because I was like, this is fun. And partially because I was like, this is a good fallback if we ever need like, you know, if I ever need to go. And I did work a few. Yeah. Shifts. Gigs and shifts. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, what I, what the point of what I'm trying to get to in this story is Laura is in a similar position. She had just quit her job, her real, her full time yeah. job, I guess, to start her business at the same time. And so we moved in together. So y'all were already living in separate micro apartments mm-hmm. and you decided to split one micro apartment. Yeah. With, with bunk beds or no. Oh, how did, how did, we, yeah, so I moved into her apartment. So at that point, it is me, age 27, 28. I can't remember exactly how old I was. No, maybe 26. I don't remember. Um, me, sure. Laura, in her early 30s. So, like, I say that to say, like, we were not children. Like, we were not youths yeah. doing this. We were pretty much adults. <laughs> yeah. By all, like, by all appearances, we were adults. Yeah. Uh, sharing a 220-square-foot micro-apartment with one sink. And three dogs. Okay. So this is where... Feet. the d- Explain... Okay. Dogs? You had three dogs. I had one dog. She had two dogs. Already questionable to be living in micro apartment with dogs. But 
They're both doing it. Um, and the 15 feet? Well, Rex had four feet. Peyton had four feet. Hippie, my dog, only has three feet. Uh, 15 feet. Plus 11, mine and Laura's. And then... We both have two feet okay. each. Okay, that's... Yeah, good. So it adds up. That. It was crowded. Um, yeah, and we did sleep... We slept in the same bed because... Honestly, we couldn't afford... Like, the micro apartments <laughs> came furnished with, I think, double beds. And we couldn't afford... Another new, bed, and oh we couldn't move much. So why did we do this? Yeah, why right? did how how in what world is that worth it? Right. Well, the what that allowed us to do is my room, which is basically its own fully furnished. We put locks on the middle door, like a deadbolt, yeah. so people couldn't go in and out through the the adjoining door. Um, and we are being beat it. Oh, how much did you make? Yeah, uh, we made on a low month two thousand, and on a high month between four and five thousand. And your rent was fifteen hundred. So our this fifteen hundred. So we were easily paying our rent, both like fully paying both of our rents, um, and making money on top of it in order to. Well, make well, it like, work. why would you? Was this just to like put extra cash in your pocket? Like, why? Why are you wanting to even do this in the first place? Well, it's because I wanted to start a business. <laughs> Um, your I, desire for a business outweighed living in a micro apartment yeah. with 15 feet. It, yeah. It, you know, it was something that when we were doing it, um, I think like looking back on it, I'm like, that was crazy. Like, I don't know. Like one of the crazier aspects is like, there was no closet either. So like all yeah. of our clothes, like we minimalized. I became a minimalist during this. Marie Kondo. I Marie Kondo the <laughs> shit out of my life. Yes. Um, before that was even a thing. So anyway yeah we it, it was really crazy but at the time we were both we both knew it was for a season we both knew like this yeah. isn't forever this isn't something we're doing because like this is how we have to live forever it's something we're doing because we want to start something it's something that like we need to do now so that we can invest in you know our future so both of y'all were starting a business at this time and that's what made that's why it made decision to, sense to like cut down on expenses mm-hmm yeah. And really pull in extra money. I guess that's more of what yeah. it is. Not cut down on expenses, but bring in extra income. Yeah. Our goal was to cut down on expenses, basically to eliminate rent, because that was our biggest expense. Yeah. Um, we didn't know how much. We had no idea how. We, <laughs> we had a great location, thankfully. Um, and Laura is a great Airbnb host, which is current now her yes. full-time business. She's a there we go. An Airbnb host. But anyway. Um, yeah. So we, we actually, I mean, the making money was a pleasant, pleasant surprise, but the goal was just to make it a ma- to be able to live as cheaply as possible without like moving back home with my parents that wasn't mm. an option for me yeah um no and i feel like that's probably a good that's a good thing most startup bootstrap business owners should keep in mind that's it's a good fallback but it's not really a good option mm, no not for your pride no anyway. no it hurts your pride um well, that's that's quite the that's quite the startup story. That's quite a sacrifice you made. Yeah, and to I to get a business going. I tell this story because um, sometimes to start a business, you have to do some crazy things. Other people look at you and go, "Like you're doing what? Yeah, like you're living how? You're working mm. how much? You're investing how much? Like whatever it is, um, you do things that other stairs. You do non-traditional things because you want to live a non-traditional life, and it seems crazy to other people. Yeah. Um. And that was one way that I could cut down on my survival costs yeah, and make it more viable for our business to like to give my business the best chance possible, basically. Yeah. So that was one thing that I did. 
That's incredible. So we're going to talk about today three different ways to bootstrap a business that doesn't involve getting investor money. Mm-hmm. We what don't. Do you, what do you think about the term bootstrap? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I I, I visualize someone like pulling themselves pull, up by their pulling, bootstraps. Yeah. Well, what does that even mean? Are you like levitating? But like putting their boots on and going out and just finding a way to make it happen. Like boots are these sort of this icon for just going out in the wilderness and like my I'm going to get dirty so I'm going to wear boots and it's going to be messy. But I'm just going to figure out a way to get it done. And, you know, there are, I guess as I'm defining that term, there's like a million different ways you can start a business, but they all sort of fall under, at least for today's podcast, three big buckets. We're going to bucket them and then talk about each one, go into the pros and cons of each to help you sort of decide which bootstrapping method you want to use um yeah and i think like again the reason that we have thought about this is because people ask us all the time yeah like hey i want to start a business how do you do it um and it sort of boils down to like these three basic ways you can do it without going after investor funding Mm -hmm. but like i think most of the time it's a combo like i don't know anyone who did just just one one thing thing. yeah we're gonna provide a couple ideas but really it's gonna be a mishmash no matter what you do there's no one right way to do it it really except for the way that we did it except for the way that we did it we did it the right way if y'all want to do it the right way follow us otherwise like "Eh, good luck yeah no and don't come crying to us when it doesn't work zero pity yeah just get some new boots and get some new boots buy some new boots try try it again yeah i think can I just like go off on a tangent go really quickly? Tangent. Um, I don't tangent. like the term bootstrapping, but I do feel like it. Oh, so when you ask me what I thought of bootstrapping, <laughs> you really wanted me to ask you. Sorry, that was bad. That was bad interview etiquette. What uh, do you think of bootstrapping, Ren? Uh, yeah. Thank you for asking, Will. Um, uh-huh. It's an interesting question. I, I think it's like the best word that resonates with people to describe the type of entrepreneur that we are. And that a lot of like that people that we're talking to are, we're not talking to people who want to go out and raise, you know, a yeah. hundred million dollars in funding. Um, we're talking about people who are like, Hey, I have an opportunity to start something or like, I want to sell something cool yeah. that I love, or I don't want to work at my job anymore. Like the bootstrappers of the world. And I think it's a word that like I, people get it and it clicks. I just like, there was this one time where you remember, I come from like a very nonprofit, like social yeah. welfare background. Non-profit-y. Um, and someone was talking about bootstrapping and how, well, if these people can't help, like, why can't they just pull themselves up by their bootstraps? And there's the quote, like, um, how do you pull yourself up by the bootstraps if you don't have any boots to begin with? Yeah. It's a good, that's a good line. Right. And so I think, yeah, my tangent here is like, we're talking about bootstrapping. Everything that worked for us worked for us because we had a certain amount of privilege going into yeah our starting our business. We had... Um, uh, college educations. We both had our master's degrees, yeah. our MBAs, actually. Um, we both had really supportive families. Which you do not need to start a business. No, you, you do absolutely not do not an MBA need to start a business. But it was a good fallback, I think. Yeah. Like, we had these safety nets in place. That's true. We had a really supportive family that, like, w- again, worst case scenario, we're at home on the couch. And really, by couch, I mean the guest suite in my parents' yeah. home, which is not that bad. Um. You know, yeah, so we like, could get credit. Yeah, we we were able to get credit. Yeah, um, given that's to us, true. like we had a lot of, <laughs> we're like, I mean, yeah, we just had a lot of things going for us that I think we need to be aware that like 
we're saying like the bootstrapping, like anyone can start a business this way. And I do like, I tell people all the time when they're like, I want to start a business. I'm like, just do it. Like you can, yeah. you can start a business. Should you? I don't know. And but that's sort of what I want to talk about is some of the reasons why maybe you shouldn't, but yeah, financially, because there's a lot of financial, but anyone, risk. but anyone can like the ability to start a business. You just, you just make a decision and you do it. But I do think, so my whole point, the tangent I wanted to go on, and I'll say this and then go back to our regularly scheduled programming, um, is that it's a lot easier to bootstrap when you have boots. And we had a really nice pair of boots that mm-hmm. we were wearing before we ever tried to start our business, Yeah, metaphorically. Um, so I just want to like make that point. Caveat that. I think that's a good little caveat to note. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we are coming from a place of privilege. Yeah. And, and of good not fallback Not to say nets. that anyone can't do it, just that it's a lot more it's a lot more challenging for some people than it was for us yeah and it's a lot easier for other people than it was yeah. for us so. yeah for sure for sure so let's let's go over the three methods that uh we've mm-hmm. come up with that are common ways to bootstrap your business yeah um the first is an employee round employer round i'm sorry so this isn't necessarily going out and asking your employer for startup capital for your business it is continuing to have a job as right. you get your business off the ground. So you're still bringing in income from your salaried position, your hourly position, and then outside of the hours you work for your business, you are spending that time starting your business and investing the money you get from salary into your business. So that that's an employee around. That's one option. You can continue to have your day job, and in the night, you build your business. The hustler. That's option this one. This is the hustler. This is the hustler. But we option don't- we don't like what? we don't like the word hustler. No, we don't like the word hustler or or uh, grind. Hustle and grind are just like overused. They're overused. Um, bit obnoxious, but whatever. Um, the second round, Visa Mastercard round. Well, not right. let's not call them round. Like the the second option. Second yes. option. Yeah, I know we've put them in investor words, but the second option is Visa Mastercard, and so that is using your credit card, your ability to get credit, get money on credit. To start your business. Or an Amex round. Or an Amex round. Which there we go. That's actually what we did. So. Oh, that is actually what we did. Yeah. yeah. So we should throw them in there. Thanks. But you're Thanks, just, you're, you're using your ability to get credit to start your business. You're putting a lot of expenses on credit cards. And again, this isn't, there's a lot of negative connotations around credit cards and credit card debt. Debt is a really interesting, it plays a very interesting role in business. It can be used very well if um, you know what you're doing and you have some good financial discipline but you can really get out of control there so it's definitely something to watch we'll jump into the pros and cons of that a bit later and then lastly the 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 most popular maybe the friends and family round asking friends and family like the most appealing maybe it is the most appealing um because it's it's like the the one that's right in front of you you can do it someone else is helping you it's people you trust presumably love presumably um and just getting them to put money into the business and seeing if they'll support you as you get started mm-hmm. yeah so we've got the employer yeah. round the visa mastercard amex round and the um friends and family round and we're being like a yep. little cheeky when we say call them rounds because like this is like not investor getting investors right like yeah so we're no, being a not. little cheeky when we when we use these terminologies um because really i think like really 
most people are going to do some combination of all three of these. These are not like black and white, like, no, you know, here's how you do this. Like step one, step two, step three. And I think ideas is probably a better word for these two. These are just a couple different ideas to get you started. Yeah. Yeah. So Ren, start us off with the first, your employer round. Sort of employer round. Talk about that a little bit. Um, Yeah. So this is where, like you said, you have a full-time job or a part-time job, you know, whatever it is that you're currently doing to pay your bills, make your life work good chance that it's something you really don't enjoy if you're Mm -hmm. thinking about starting your own business. Um, but you're doing like, you keep doing that thing and you do your business, you start your business. It's your side hustle. Yeah. It's your, your side lady, your dirty mistress. Dirty, dirty. Um, not really, but it is your, it's your side thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you do it at night, you do it on the weekends, you do it during lunch, you do it probably secretly when you're supposed to be working on, your full-time job that you're yeah, getting paid like, for, but you're, you're working a lot, um, basically. And you're keeping up with, um, you know, your full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, like we call it an employer around jokingly, but probably your employer, I mean, depending on the relationship you have with your employer, maybe they know you're trying to start this thing. I would say for most people, it's not something you really even want to make them aware of. Cause you don't want, most people would not want their employer to think that they're slacking yeah. on their real job because of their side hustle. So yeah, you know, it's really has nothing to do with your employer. In your mind, are there like morality issues around doing that? Like you're getting a salary, you're getting a job from this one area, but Hell you're building no. something else. No. Your employer doesn't own you. Like uh. he doesn't get to decide what you focus your like time and energy and passions on. Like he, he can mm. pay you for your, like here's the way jobs work. They can pay you for a skill set and they can pay you for time and they can pay you for production. They cannot pay you for your passion. That is something you get to choose where you put and if you choose to put it in your full-time job i think that's wonderful like i think that's great but they cannot pay you to do that so so by your definition though as long as you're keeping up with what you were hired to do your position right as long as you're still doing your job meeting the uh, like requirements of the job at whatever standard it has been set for you yeah i think it's i don't have i personally don't have any moral issues with that i also have like (laughs) <laughs> really loose. <laughs> um, yeah. I have like a very internal compass when yeah. it comes very to gray. morality. Very gray. A lot of gray areas. Yeah. Uh, but I do think there's some big pros and cons to each yeah. of these. Well, do you, oh, I have a story actually. So we're going to tell stories about mm. the different kinds Love of like stories. businesses that started this way. So tell me a story. I'll tell you. Okay. Thanks. Once upon a time, um, there was a little girl named Rachel Hollis. Oh, yeah. Heard and of her. She she's one of my favorite like I don't know people that I follow like authors, podcasters. Yeah. She has a great podcast called Rise. What has she written? What has uh, she written? She wrote Girl Wash Your Face, and she wrote Girl Stop Apologizing, and she wrote some other oh. books that were fiction. And what about like boys? Uh, yeah, no, she speaks mostly specifically towards women, and that's one of the reasons I like her because it's, there we it we go. Turns out I it's am a good a lesson woman. in marketing right there too. She knows her audience. Know your audience. Have a niche go after it um (laughs) niche women (laughs) yeah pretty pretty broad specific yeah um but no she's i actually gave one of each of her books to our mothers my mother and your mother for mother's day which was last weekend so hi mom hi mom i hope you like your book um (laughs) so i knew i really like rachel hollis she has a a company that's based around like her own brand but it's also a media company so they're doing you know i think i can't i'm i feel like she has between 10 and 20 employees now and they're doing a million to two i'm not sure but like a good size maybe more now because she's blown up recently i don't know i'm making these things up again i never fact check anything i say so that should be 
It's a warning. Great, great um, area. My point is, this. she started, basically she started her business, her first business, with an employer round. She was working a full-time job, I think for like an event planning business, although, again, <laughs> I'm yeah. not fact-checking this, <laughs> um, but she had a full-time job, and on the side, she was working basically for free starting her own event planning company and she was doing work for free so that she could get it like on her portfolio, build up her reputation, meet Mm. clients, get referred, that kind of stuff. So she did that for I think a full year before she quit her salaried job and started her own business. Um, So what are the types of businesses that could benefit from? Sorry, no, I'm I'm interrupting your story. Let's finish your story first. Well, that's, mostly that now she has a really awesome business and it worked for her. So, so that employer round was, yeah, well that employer round gave her the ability to get in, get into the industry and like get her name out there by do it by offering free work basically. Um, or a very cheaply paid work. Mm. So, and that's honestly, when you start off, a lot of people have to do that. Like a lot of times if you're in the service industry, especially, when you're starting off, you offer stuff for cheap so that you can build your portfolio so that you can get more experience, learn how to do more different types of things so that you can meet people, start getting word of mouth referrals, have yeah. things to show on your website that you've done, all that kind of stuff. So she did it that way. I think there are some pros and cons to the employer round, Yeah, which I will now share with you. Mm. Uh, pro, I think it's the most financially um stable safe yeah i'm not gonna say responsible yeah i was gonna say not responsible but responsible sort of like in in the traditional sense of the word yeah it's responsible um but it's also i think it's irresponsible not to chase your dreams or to not chase your dreams there we go so there we go um but it is like it's pretty safe like if your business yeah doesn't work or it takes longer to start than you think it will which it probably will Mm-hmm. Um, or you find out you really don't like it. Like you still have that job that you can fall back on. Yeah. Um, and that's honestly, it's kind of huge for a lot of people. Um, it can be the way that you can like kind of dip your toe in the water without being so like afraid of failure that you, um, just choose not to start your business. So I think this is a good, like almost gateway entryway to starting a business. And, yeah. and honestly, I think it's probably the one that I recommend to most of my friends because, well, this is a good thing to chat about too. Yeah. Um, we're really lucky that we have never made money. Really. We've never made a lot of money. We make money. Huh. We've never had like large. Like we made some money. Yeah. But yeah. we've never had like large paychecks coming in. Yeah. Like we went from grad school to working at a small business where we were not, I mean, right out of grad school, not getting paid a ton and pretty quickly after that, quit that and went the freelance small business route. Um, and I say we're lucky because like we never got accustomed to a certain lifestyle. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. We were always sort of micro lives. Yeah. Not, maybe not that extreme as the year I lived with my five, five, five heads, 15 15 feet in 220 square feet. Um, but yeah, we never got used to like, expensive cars or expensive vacations yeah. or having to take care of and provide for children or a spouse or parents yeah, or something. Yeah, we never had to do that. Um, so our life, you know, we were lucky that we didn't have a standard of living that we had to like readjust in order to start our business. Yeah. 
a I, lot of people do yeah. have been like if you've been working that job with that good to very good to great salary mm-hmm. um you know you have these questions like well how am i gonna afford my apartment well maybe yeah. you get a roommate i don't know i mean <laughs> yeah but you know so the employer around in a way allows you to like keep up your standard of living the way it is now mm-hmm. while you try to kind of test run your business almost i don't yeah. think i think so let's get into the cons cons are that um you will reach a point what do you think about the pros first of all are there any uh, other pros this is fun because i think this is what you would have done if it wasn't yeah for me. i definitely think this is the round <laughs> if it wasn't for you yeah this definitely would have been the round i would have chosen um it really i i always want to be building something that's like mine so that's why the idea of starting a business was very appealing to me just because I could it's something I could have and grow throughout my entire life and I was the one in charge of it not someone else. Um but also the idea of not having a steady paycheck was very daunting and scary to me. I don't think I would have started a business especially at this age I'll say without like the push the from you the ripe old age of what the were you, 26 age. or 27 yeah, at the time. No, I think I was yeah, maybe 27. Um, I don't think I would have started the business at that age and maybe later in life, but definitely not at that age without like the push because my natural disposition would have been keep a steady paycheck, you know, sort of get more money, wait till you, and, and, but the, the problem I, and honestly, I'm going to jump right into the cons. Now the problem with that is I wouldn't know where that would stop. I, my problem would be like, okay, once I have, you know, four thousand dollars a month coming in that's when i'll right, I will, right, right, right. I, i'll start my business but then i get to like you know 3500 i'm like oh you know what i need a car so i'm gonna buy a car and now my standard of living has just increased and so i'm like okay well until i get forty five hundred dollars a month then i'm gonna do it and i'm always worried about can i pay my bills am i gonna go further in the debt i'm, I'm worried about these things and i you never take that the leap. that leap Right. And I think like, even if you can, well, and here's, I mean, most people don't even get to that point. They're like, okay, I need $4,000 a month, let's say to, that's hard to, yeah. to make it work. But with a side job, like that's really hard to do if you're splitting your time and energy. And, yeah. and really for me, it's a lot more about like creative energy and mental energy than it is even time. If you're like focusing on trying to do well at your job, job, uh, for, mm-hmm. you know, eight hours a day or however long you're working. And then you're coming home and wait, working another eight to 10 hours a day on your side business, yeah. like your business. Um, it's exhausting. And like, it's just like not a sustainable way to do life. And a lot of people no. without spending like more of your time and energy on growing your business, you'll never get to $4,000 a month. You might get to two or 25 and be like, okay, I feel like if I could spend more time and energy here, yeah. then I could get to that 4,000 I need and really mm-hmm. grow it from there but I can't spend more time and energy because I have this full-time job. So a lot of people get stuck there yeah. in that tension between like, in order to really make this side business succeed, I, I need to spend more time and energy, but I can't afford that because I need my job. Okay. Talk, you mentioned like creative energy. Talk about that. Like what, what does that mean? What does creative energy mean to you when starting a business? Um, it's like when like paint brushes and crayons <laughs> <laughs> you're creating things um yes. no it's uh, Bob so Rose. when you're starting a business 
Oh, geez. This is like a whole nother podcast episode, I think. So yeah. I'll try to keep it high level. Yeah. Um, when you're starting a business, you have to think about everything in the business. Like you're the mm. only one thinking about like no one's telling you what to do. And yeah. typically if you have a job, even if you do have creative freedom, someone's given you like a job description or some sort of expectations of like this is your role. Some bounds. And this is what you need to do to succeed in this role. So yeah. I need you to do these jobs. And like maybe you do have creative freedom to be like, oh, I think I could do it better this way or that way. But you still have pretty clear like objectives typically, especially at, you know, more of an entry level yeah. position like, you know, we would have been at, um, you know, you don't really have to think about what you should, you have to think about like yeah. how you do it and like all mm-hmm. this stuff, but you don't really have to think about why you do it. Like typically your company should tell you why your role is important. <laughs> like it's not yeah. up to you to figure that out in your business. You have to figure out like, what does your business do in order for it to do that? How does it do that? Well, like what do you need to be doing in order for it to succeed? What does someone else needs to be doing? Like you have to also evaluate your own work constantly. Like, is this good enough? Is it not? Am I doing the right things? Am I not Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm producing, but I'm not marketing. Should I, how do I market and produce at the same time? Like, okay, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot. And at the same time, there's just all these even like more existential questions around like, is this really solving a problem and does this make me happy? And like, what will that like, you know, <laughs> yeah. what could this business look like in five years and 10 years? And like all these, you know, just life, qu- you know, it, what about my relationship that I'm having to put on hold because I'm spending all my time with my business and like, Oh, yeah. I haven't gone to the gym in weeks because I don't have time to work at like, yeah, there's all these other, I think stressors that come when you're trying to start a business and it, and you're constantly trying, especially for us. I think it's different mm-hmm. if you go into it with like a really clear idea of like, I want to sell shoes, let's say. Cause little teaser for. Ooh, there we go. Up. Later. Um, yeah. For later. If I want to sell shoes, that that's pretty clear. Like, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of creative energy thinking about like, what is a shoe? Like, why would people buy a shoe? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, you do to some extent. What are your differentiators? Yeah. What's your value add? How do you get in front of people? All that stuff. But shoes, people understand. Um, for us, we were like, hmm, technology, online things, internet stuff, small business, like online education, uh, we can do this and people need that. And like, maybe if we sell this, then we can eventually do that. Like we were pretty vague and ambiguous going into it, which meant we were constantly thinking about what is our business model? Yeah. (laughs) What is this? Like we were like, okay, so now doing this, we have enough money Uh to get by and pay the bills. But like, you know, can we grow this? Is this scalable? No. Okay. So we'll do this instead. So, okay, now we're doing this and this is scalable and we're making money, but do we like it? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what do we, you know, Yeah. it's like this constant nonstop. Yeah. It was just a nonstop. Yeah. And so to me, having to spend that creative energy on starting your business and having to spend energy creative or not, you're not going to be giving your best. Yeah. You're not going to do well at either one. So at some point you have to make that leap, right? Yeah. I think it, I don't think it's a bad way to start. I think the biggest con is it's really hard for people to figure out. You have to have a lot of discipline to know when, okay, I'm going to make this leap and this is the point and it's probably sooner than you would be comfortable. Yeah. And you have to acknowledge the fact that like for however long you're going to do this for six months, a year, whatever, um, you don't, you're not going to have a ton of free time for other things. So no. If you're like in a relationship or a newlywed or you like other things are really important to you, you're just going to have to realize like, yeah, you might have to put some of that on hold. You might have to like, it's not going to be, your energy is going to be so spent. Yeah. You're not going to have a lot of energy for other things. 
So okay. that's to me the big con. And that I never, I could not have, like, this is what you Ooh. probably would have done. Yeah. Um, if it hadn't been for me, which, you know, why would you do that for someone you weren't even dating? That's another story for another time. Oh my goodness. Um, yes. But I never could have done that because I don't have the discipline. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I just would have burn out real fast. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, let's, that's, that's, uh, I feel like a good summary of that first option. Let's jump into idea number two, which is your Visa MasterCard Amex. I'm going to tag that on Amex round. Yeah. So this is where, this is what we, this is like our primarily what we did. Yeah. Um, And it's where you use your credit cards to fund your life yeah. and or your business. Yeah. Um, the pro is that it, well, we won't jump into pros and cons yet. Oh, tell us a story. Well, okay. Ooh, the other things I want to say. Yeah. We have a story yeah. about a company that started this way. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, sometimes you're funding like your survival expenses, your rent, your, you know, car yeah. payments, whatever it is, your food, going out, whatever, mm-hmm. dog food, expensive dog yeah. food. Um, sometimes you're funding that stuff. Sometimes you're funding your business expenses. So like, okay, I need to hire someone to build me a website. I need to yeah. buy, I don't know, like fabric to sew my sewn thing that I have sewn to sell. Um, whatever it is, like yeah. you're using your credit cards and let's make the distinction here. These are almost always going to be personal credit cards. You can't, yes. uh, maybe I'm not going to say you can't cause maybe there is a way you can. We could not easily, like we didn't, there's no straightforward way of getting a business credit card for a business that had just started. No. Well, I don't I, think I'll, you can. I'll answer that concretely. You can't, I mean, you can't say, and now let's talk abstractly. You can't go to a bank and say, I've created this new entity, let it have credit and let no one else be responsible for it. They have no collateral there. Right. And you, you, you can't do that. And so all these credit cards, they are personal credit cards. It's not, we started Otis and then we pulled out an Otis credit card. And if Otis went bankrupt, then, oh, oh well, wow. the bank doesn't get its money back. No, the bank comes after Will and Ren to get its money back. Mostly so these, these are per- mostly Ren. We but, used my um, credit cards to start. Yeah. But that's where you just have to have trust with people that they'll pay you back. Or you can both get credit cards. There's two different ways. But it makes the accounting more complicated. Anyway, different story. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what we did. That's what that option looks like. Tell us a story about someone who started that way. Um, this is a story about uh, two partners named Brian Chesky and Joe Gabia. I may have been pronouncing these wrong. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but they started a business. They had an idea for this web app, um, and they spent a lot of money getting it off the ground, paying for their living expenses as they were trying to do it. They had a, uh, they had, you know, like baseball card binders where you have these like three by three grids. Sure. Uh, where you put baseball cards in it to keep them safe and everything. They had these binders full of credit cards that they would just pull out another credit card. Which seems extreme. It it does seem a bit extreme. Not recommending like necessarily that extreme of a way. So did they go to um, debtor's prison? They did not go to debtor's prison, but they used an unbelievable amount of credit card uh, credit to start their business and paying for living expenses, paying for the stuff they needed for the business, um, and it paid off for them because this uh, it ended up being Airbnb and they just grew it from there. And obviously they were wildly successful. But there's a su- success story around 
using credit cards. Yeah, it's, so they didn't go after investor funding. No, they well they did I mean, they later. They did later, but not they to did get later. started. They definitely did later, but getting started, they just used their own credit to get going. And it's again, as long as you manage it well and you keep it, you keep your mindset right around it. You can't just use, don't just go use your debt to buy like fancy, nice cars. I mean, make sure it's attached to business needs. Um, but it's a good way of doing it because you're not beholden to anyone. Uh, let's, well, let's just jump into this, keep it more structured. What are, what are the pros of this, Ren? Yeah. Pro, um, like you were saying, it, it's kind of easy. Like, assuming you have access to credit. Um, yeah right there like you you don't have to pitch your idea to anybody you no. don't have to convince anybody um you don't have to keep working a job at the same time and spend all your energy elsewhere um it kind of gives you the runway that you need and the capital that you need to get your business off the ground um yeah. and you know and to and it gives you the most freedom i think it gives you the most freedom to do it your way to make the decisions you want to make without having anyone else say like Hmm, that that seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Do you should do it this way instead. Um, so it gives you a lot yeah. of freedom. Um, huh? The the con, there are two big cons that I see to this. One is the very obvious, like if you do it wrong, you're going into a lot of debt. Yeah, um, it's gonna be a big hole to crawl out of. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, and that's I don't feel like I need to say anything else about that. That's a pretty no. bit, like. If your business fails or, I mean, let's say like, you know, you get hit by a bus and can't work for a year and you have $30,000 in credit card debt from trying to start a business that didn't work for a year, you know, you're just like, you're in a bit of a hole, right? Like, yeah, that's hard. Um, The other big con that I think that can be mitigated. The financial risk can be mitigated by like making wise financial choices and mm-hmm. you know, I, like all these things. Sure. The thing that's harder to deal with, I think, and to me the like biggest, like watch out, watch out ah. con of this area is it is like mentally difficult to be for, for me um, yeah. to be in a lot of debt. No, me too. And to be starting a business that like, you don't know when it's going to start making the money you need it to make or if it is or yeah like how it is, like all these things, like the, the, the unknown, I guess, of that is mounted with like your mounting credit card debt. And like, remember, even if you're not adding to your credit cards, like you're adding to them, if you're not paying them down, like aggressively because interest, like they're, they're going up every month. So, um, that was, I mean, and that was the thing, like if anything almost broke us in our first, yeah. Would you like six months a year? I don't know. Yeah, about six to nine months, somewhere in there. It was like it was like a constant stressor. Mm-hmm. And th- that's the thing about credit card debt, as opposed to these other two, like the employer round or the friends and family round, which we'll talk about next. Like this one's all on you. Like if you don't get the business to where it needs to be, which is kind of why I like it. Like if you don't get the business where it needs to be, you are the one that is totally you're you're basically screwing yourself over if you can't make this work. Right. Um. And that that's a bit harsh because, you know, you're giving it a shot. But, like, you are the person that goes down with the ship, not your your employer, not really out there. Like, if it doesn't work, then you just keep your day job and you just keep chugging. Friends right. and family, if you don't make it work, then you're putting your friends and family out of a good bit of money. And that's going to be emotionally hard. Yeah. This, like, but but, you know, you're not out of money. That's the thing. You'll, you'll strain those relationships and that's a whole different bag of worms um 
But the Visa MasterCard round, if you don't make it work, then you are in debt and you still have to pay that money back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if you do make it work, um, just the stress of like that yeah. going through that period of content, like putting things on credit cards. And then the thing that can be even more stressful is like once you get your business to sustainable, so your business is paying for most of your expenses, but you still have all that credit card debt. You so now your down. business has to be not only supporting you, but also paying off your debt actively. Um, so it just puts a lot of stress on. Yeah. I want There's, there's one, there's like a really uh, important dis- thing to, I want to point out here is that as you're, as you're growing, you're going to be able to, hopefully you're going to be bringing money into the business and you finance it on your credit cards. You're, you're going to want to use that money to pay down your debt. But something we bumped into a lot, which was a big point of contention for us is you were more saying, okay, we got to put this money back into the business. We can't be paying down our debt yet because we're not at that place we need to be. We need to purchase this next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe I was saying we need to buy a camera so we can do or video really stuff. Or expensive microphones. Or really expensive microphones for a podcast. But look how good we sound. Oh, mm, yes. So that's like you're going to be dealing with that tension a lot. Like, do I put this money to pay down my credit card debt? Am I at that place yet? Or should I put this money back into the business to grow the business and do something next? That's that's a, a very gray mm-hmm. question that you cannot get answers from anyone besides yourself on that. Yeah, it definitely adds like a layer of just mental. Complexity. Yeah, and mental stress, I think. Just mental, like one more thing yeah. to think about and worry about and try to figure out. Like, you know, like you just said, how much goes to paying it down versus investing versus paying myself yeah. versus like, I deserve a vacation because I've been working 80 hours a week for a yeah. year. You know, <laughs> yeah. like these things, like it, it, it definitely adds a layer of complexity. One thing that I like, I'm going to, I feel it in my head, but I don't know if it's going to make sense when I say it. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I think is um, interesting or like unique and good about a credit card round, but also is like a slippery slope is that you can kind of gauge how much you put on your credit cards, how much you invest in your own business, basically, um, based on like, you know, how passionate are you? Like, how good is your idea? Like, how are other people? Like, you can kind of weigh. And if it's like, okay, like, I just want to kind of test it. I'm really not sure. You can put like $5,000 on credit cards. And then you can decide, you know what? It's really working. I'm going to put a little bit more to get to the next level. Or you can decide it's not working. I'm not like, but you don't have to go into that knowing exactly how much it's going to, you need. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times you don't go into starting a business knowing, okay, I need exactly $30,000 to get this off the ground. You have no idea. You're like, I don't know. I mean, like maybe it's 10,000, maybe it's 50,000. Like, yeah, I don't really know. Cause it kind of depends on like how long it's going to take me to get traction and like, how long am I going to need to be able to pay my rent for? And you have that. And I think you talked about it earlier. You have that flexibility to say, Oh, okay. When I started, I needed the money for X, but now that I'm, two months into it, I really need to reallocate that money and spend it on Y, mm-hmm. which as we'll talk about next with friends and family, that gets a bit dicey because you've, you've got that money from friends and family saying, this is where the money's going to go. Cause they're, they're probably going to ask, what are you going to spend this money on? You're going to have to tell them, but that it becomes a, a communications challenge to try and keep them informed of what you're doing in the business. Cause okay, now I need to spend the money on something else. Why? Um, and you're going to have to tell people because they're going to want to know. And right. th- that it provides another layer of just complexity there. Right. So that's the good thing about the credit card round is you can kind of take it like as your business changes and grows, you can decide to invest more or pay off whatever with that. Yeah. Um, 
the slippery slope there is that I, you know, it's for some people it's easy to be like, okay, well I invested 5,000. It didn't work like I thought it was going to. Maybe I just need to invest another. I need to try it for three more months, $10,000 later. And then, Oh, it's still not really working. Like, okay. So then you're like 50,000 in the hole. (laughs) It can keep growing and growing. Whereas, um, you know, if you get like a set amount of like, if someone gives you $20,000 to start your business, you've got $20,000 to start your business. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, you figure you out make how to it do work it. or you yeah, fail and you can't do it with $20,000 and you either, you know, start again with another business, ask, have to ask someone for more, but it's not this easy. Like I'll just get another credit card <laughs> Yeah. thing, which can be like, and that's what I mean. It's just totally, I mean, who knows where that line is? Like mm-hmm. what's that line between madness and genius, you know? Yeah. Like, so I don't know. That's, that's what I have to say about credit cards. There we go. It's a fascinating option. Mm-hmm. It's one that's we've used. A lot of companies have used it. A lot of people have used mm-hmm. it. Got to be able to manage it. Yeah. And I don't Should we give the, like, we, I'm saying we used this option. We did go into our business yeah. with a few clients, like a few reta- clients that kept yeah. us on retainer. And these were clients that we used to work for, basically. Like, yep. they used to yeah, be our for employers. Sure. Um, and as we started our own thing, they were very supportive. One of them was my dad. Um, and they allowed us to like yeah. continue doing the work we were doing for them, but as clients rather than as employers. So uh-huh. we came in with like a little bit of like cushion, I guess. I, like we knew that we had yeah. some recurring we had some revenue. Stable it wasn't a lot, but it was enough to give us yeah. the security to be like, okay, we can, we couldn't put, at that time, we couldn't put our rent on a credit card. Like, they wouldn't accept it. So, it was like, okay, at no. least we can, we'll have enough in the bank account yeah, to pay rent. To pay rent. And everything else we can put yeah. on a credit card if not, we need to. Yeah. Not enough to buy food. Not enough Mm-mm. to go out and have a drink with a friend. Not enough to pay, pay for gas, utilities. Pay yeah. for utility. Yeah. But enough to pay rent. Enough to pay those things we had to. So, yeah. That's a, that's a good sort of distinction to make. Like, we did start with credit cards, but again, these are all sort of a mishmash. We did have some right. stable income coming in before we made that leap to credit cards. Yeah. Um, Most people do some... Yeah, some combination. So, let, let's things. let's talk about number three. Friends um, and family. This is actually how... you gotta have friends. Mm. Sing it. I don't mm. know that song. I think it's a real song, but I only think of it from Shrek. From Shrek, yeah. I know. <laughs> Where donkeys... Yeah. Donkey! I'm all alone! There's no one here beside me. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Shrek's a good movie. That's a good... You should that's watch just, that movie. Uh, what a good a, movie. I know. I haven't seen... Don't you know they, they have like a Shrek 4 or something coming out? No, I never even saw 3. I, I didn't know yeah. there was a 3. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if like if Lord Farquaad's in them anymore or anything. It's Maybe he's a good guy really, now. That would be like a... Know. That'd be nice. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. So we should watch Friend, this, but friends and family round. I want to start with the uh, story of Nike. This is how Nike started. Well, let's explain quickly what we mean by friends and family round. Boo! People want to start with stories. Okay, you can start with a story. Yes. So give the people what they give want. the people what they want. Ren, uh, Phil Knight, the st- starter owner founder of Nike, he started. Uh, his business, he did a mix of the employer round. He was working for an accounting company um, and friends and family. He was working for the accounting company wanting to start his business. That's The accounting company paid for his day-to-day living expenses. 
and he asked his dad for a loan for, I forget what it is, don't fact check, 500 or $5,000 to buy his first round of inventory from a Japanese shoemaking company, wholesaler. He spent all that money that his dad gave him to purchase that inventory, get it over, and then he sold it, obviously at a profit, and made enough money back to buy another round of shoes. So that's how he started. Big companies. Like, and he went, he later down the road, he did some investing round options, but he started with just a loan from his dad and has, you know, turned into the biggest shoe company in the world. Is it the biggest shoe company in the world? Uh, it's probably the most well known. Don't fact check us. Don't fact check. Don't ever the do biggest that. in the world. Ever. Ever. That will ever be. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think, friends and family round is. The closest, very doable. very doable. It's the closest to an actual investor round that a bootstrapper can do, yep. really. Um, and it's basically just like going to your friends and family and being like, "Hey, I need money. <laughs> help, help, yeah. help, help." Um, and I think that it's it's interesting. This is the option that most people who are our friends and family that want to start yeah. businesses that come to us saying like, "Hey, I think I want to start a business. Like, how should I do it?" Um, a lot of them, this is their idea. They're going to ask like friends and family, usually family, um, for some kind of money to help them get started. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's not a bad option. I mean, so what you have to be able to do is you have to be able to basically pretty, you have to be able to tell people what you're doing. Right? Yeah. You have to have a clear business. Yeah, you have to have a pretty clear business idea. You have to be able to communicate it clearly, which having it and being able to communicate it are two different two things. Two very different things. Um, you have to know who you like, what you're selling, who you're going to sell uh -huh. it to, how you're going to sell it to them, and you have to know what you need, the money that you're asking for. For Like very yeah. few people, even your friends and family, if you're like, hey, can I have $10,000 to start my business? Occasionally you might have someone that's like, sure, honey, like, here you go. Don't forget to brush your teeth. I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> who is this person in the story? Like I was imagining like a sweet old grandma, but like hopefully yeah. you're not taking advantage of your grandmother. I no. don't know. Um, my point is, and that's how I was imagining it, like this evil person taking it. So I guess that sort of gives you some of my predispositions towards asking <laughs> yeah. family for money. Um, but I think, you know, usually most people are going to be like, well, yeah, I'll consider it. Uh, mm -hmm. what are you going to use this money for? Like, why yeah. do you need it? Is it to give you runway so that you can live for three or four months while you get your business off the ground? Is it to what pay for inventory? Yeah. Is it right to pay for a website? Is it to pay for marketing costs? Like what, yeah. what is this money for? Um, and that like for me and Will, Will and I, me and Will would Will have been, I. Will and I mm -hmm. would have been really hard because we, like I mentioned earlier, our business idea wasn't very developed when we started. We were no. like, we know we can sell things and, and make money doing this. And we know we have this like sort of vague idea of how we could help the world, but we, it's not quite defined enough yeah. yet. And like, we need to get there. Um, we weren't really the best way to do that. And our mind was to just jump in and start. Yeah. But like, that's not a good story to tell people <laughs> like, no, and it's our not. friends and family were very questioning. They were all like, what yeah. are you doing? I mean, well, I this, this might be a good place. What do we do? No, stop. And what do we do? We sell online things and internet stuff. Oh, we yes. focus on online education. That's what yes. we love doing. We love helping people take their content, yep. um, things that they've normally been teaching or telling people about in person, and helping them put it 
on the Online, internet so that make it accessible. Yeah, so that more people can access it, so that they can share it with a larger audience. Um, that's what we love doing. Yeah. Now, like we also do basically digital marketing for small businesses. Yeah. Because that's Websites. what that's how we got started. I mean, that's what allowed us to get started because that's yeah. very marketable. Take, yeah. People understand what that is. They know what it is. They need it. They're willing to pay for it. Online education um, is a little harder. It's a lot much longer lead time too for most clients. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, so pros and cons of friends and family round. Pro. Big pro is that it's kind of easy and you aren't. I mean, I won't say it's easy. It depends on your family and how hard they're going to make yeah. you work for it, I guess. But like, you know, you're going to other people and using other people's money. So also like risk is yeah. low. Uh, we should, I should also probably say there's a lot of ways to do friends and family rounds. Sometimes it's yeah. just like a gift. Sometimes it's an investment. Sometimes it's a loan. Mm-hmm. Like, so there is a difference in selling equity in your company yeah. versus Getting someone giving a you gift. a loan. Yeah. Um, and well, and I think yeah. a lot of family members don't even really understand, like, am I investing or am I giving you a loan? So does this mean I own part of your company? Yeah, you got to be clear on that. It right. gets, and yeah, I think that's probably jumping into a con, but yeah. It gets messy, Murky. but yeah, so pro is, um, it can be just kind of easy to ask other people for money yeah. <laughs> and, and you're not on the hook for any of it. Like it's not your credit on the line. Um, if you do get the money, then you're, you're not yeah. having to work two jobs. You can focus on your business. The other big pro to me is this can almost be a marketing strategy mm, too. Totally, totally agree. Yeah. yeah. So if you ask your friends and family for money to help you start your business, they're invested. Like, yeah, hopefully they're invested in your success as a human being regardless, but now they're yeah. financially invested. Um, and they're more likely, I think, to like refer you to their friends or talk about you to people or yeah. try to help you get business because they want mm-hmm. either their money back or they want to see what they've invested in succeed or whatever it is. So it can be actually a pretty brilliant marketing strategy. Yeah. Not to say that like your friends and family wouldn't help you market without investing in your company. But if they give you money, it's going to be sort of top of mind to them. Right. Yeah. Money makes things a lot more real. Yeah. Yeah, it does. There's a much more of a realism in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think another pro there is it you in order to communicate with them what you want to do to get that money. You now are clearly able to communicate that to potential customers. I think a lot of people jump into business not being like with that communication skill of what am I actually selling? with it very raw and they don't really know how to communicate it yet. It's clear in their mind as the business owner, the value, but they haven't been able to articulate that value to someone else. And if you're doing a friends and family round, presumably your friends and family asked that question. What does this money go for? Like, what do you sell? Right. And so you've been forced to explain that. Which can be a pro. Yes. And now we'll transition to the cons because it could also be a con. Like for us, it would have been a, mm. a con. Yeah, it definitely would have um, been a con for us. Because we didn't have that clarity. Yeah. And that's part of my point in this whole podcast, not this episode, but like this mm. whole podcast is that um, you don't necessarily have to have like some really cool product idea to start a business anymore. No. It depends on what your goals are. It depends on what like, you know, your strengths and weaknesses are. It depends on a lot of things as to how you start your business, but you very much t- in today's world can just say like, I'm kind of good at this. I think yeah. I could sell it and maybe turn it into something. Yeah. Like 
or I'm, you know, making these things or selling or like providing this service, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you don't have to have like a big vision that you can explain to people and that people will be like, Oh yeah, I see that. Um, and I think also that's just part of being an entrepreneur. Sometimes you're willing to like, you can see how things would work out and how like yeah. something could work for your life or work for your goals or turn into a business, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's not the normal, like the traditional way of doing things. Um, and if everyone else could see it, they would do it too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You. you that's what makes you an entrepreneur. That's the point of, I was going to say, that's the point of entrepreneurship is like, you see something no one else does. You see a way to improve other people's lives that no one else does. Or to improve your own life. Or to improve your that own life. That seems crazy to other people. Yeah. Like you, living in a micro apartment with another woman. seems crazy, <laughs> but I saw it as a way to get to a point where I had autonomy over like my work and my location and the thing yeah. like my time and that was worth it to me. Yeah. But it didn't make sense to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So that's definitely, that can be a con. It can be a con. Friends and family is yeah. like you, you are limited to what you can explain in that moment. Yeah. And my, the bigger point here is just because you feel like you can't explain what you want to do to other yeah. people. Um, that should not be a limiting factor. I do think at some point it, it's really important if you're going to really have a business to be able to tell people what you you have to, like Like, it's a necessity. They won't buy from you if they don't understand what you're selling, but you don't have to be able to sell like the bigger vision of, you know, the life you want to live or the business you want to build or the problem you want to solve in the world before you ever get started. No, like you can just get started. Right. And that can be, it can, but that can be challenging if you can't explain those things to ask for money. Yeah. Which yeah, is, I think, can. and that, that's probably why you didn't, we did not ask our friends and family for money. No, that's definitely um, why I didn't. And it's interesting because we have very support, I think very supportive friends and family. Like we do, you know, for sure. Like looking from the outside, I feel like people would be like, oh, like, why didn't you? Like uh-huh. they probably would have helped us in some way. Um, that's probably why you, but would you say that's why you didn't because you couldn't clearly. Yeah, I would definitely say that's why I didn't. I remember having conversations with my dad and my dad just being like, okay, you're, you're going to start this business, but like, what is, what is the business? How do you make money? Um, and it flustered me just because I was, you know, it was clear to me what I was going to be doing, but I just couldn't articulate that. Um, it didn't prevent me from starting the business, but doing online things and internet stuff. yeah how more clear could have we been but it, i i definitely i definitely wasn't comfortable like asking them from this was just me just trying to get support from my family which they you know they just love me and support me they will um but that's part of the reason why i never would have asked them for money just because i couldn't articulate to them what the money was going to be used for and i couldn't in good conscience just say i know i'll be able to pay I, you back yeah i know i'll be able to pay you back and it'll happen so i didn't yeah and then the reason i didn't is sort of the other to me big con of going this way this this route if you will is as soon as someone gives you money for your business um especially friends and family it's different if you have an outside investor because there are very clear like structures and boundaries in place as to what that investor then has control of like what they're you know how that works but with your friends and family if they're investing, then they do own part of your, you know, they mm-hmm. do have ownership in your business. If they're giving you a loan, they probably feel like they do, whether yeah. they do or not. Um, 
but taking money from other people makes you accountable to them in your business. And it, we talked about how like having credit cards gives you a ton of freedom. Asking for friends and family removes a lot of freedom. It does. You have, you're accountable to them. You have to explain yourself to them. If like, Will I think mentioned this earlier, if you get a get money from your Mm -hmm. family to use for X and then you realize like, okay, well now I actually need to pivot and use part of that money for Y. Which will happen. Which will happen. Um, Yeah. You know, it just depends on like, there's a chance that you're, family member that gave you the money or family members would be like, wait, why you told me you were going to use it for this. Like either explain yourself or, or even like put up a fuss. Yeah. No, like this seems like a good business model to me. Why are you doing that? Yeah. Um, You know, you do give away some control. Sometimes you even just get really opinionated people who are like, well, like think that they now are more part of the business than, than you want them to be maybe. And, you know, it can become sticky. It can become sticky. And it, and that's why I didn't do it. I, um, I love my family. I have a great relationship with them, but yeah. in starting my business, I was doing it in a city. They didn't really want me to be in. They're all in Alabama. I was in Seattle. Um, they didn't understand why I was in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, and I, and they also just like, didn't really understand like why I was trying, like why I didn't get a job and then try to start a business, you know? Yeah all these things. Um, and not that th- like, they're very supportive. They've always supported me, but I know that like taking money from them, they wouldn't have necessarily said like, well, now that you've taken money from us, you need to move back home, yeah. like blah, blah, blah. Um, but it just would have been harder for me to feel like I could do my own thing without guilt yeah, or without feeling like I owe them something more than like my love and you know, yeah. whatever. Um, so it's just like mentally it would have been, it would have been much harder for me to be in debt to my parents than it was for me to be in debt with MasterCard and yeah. Visa and Amex. Totally. Cause it's, you're in control right. and it's like, you're, still it's in you on the line. It's my Ren, life Ren Littles on the line. Yeah. Right. So. Okay. Well that brings us to who should do which one of these. What is, there's, there's clearly a right answer here. There's a right way to do this and there's a wrong way to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very black and white. What's the right way, Ren? The way that we did it. The way that we did it. All right, everybody. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. No. What's the right way? Uh, well, there is no right way. Oh, wow. Look it at really that just depends. Oh, I hate that. Um, yeah, it's funny because that's what, that's so like what we tell most of our clients. Most of our clients aren't asking us how to start a business. They've already started businesses. So most of our clients yeah. are like, what's the right way to do social media? And I'm like, oh, oh, honey. There are oh, a million honey. different ways to do it. Um, there's no right way. So there's no right way to bootstrap your business with the money either. Um, there, but 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 there are better ways depending on the business you're starting, and I think yeah. almost even more importantly, or more, I'm gonna say I'm gonna put more importance on it because people probably don't think about this as much as they do the type of business they're starting. Is you like what are you? more likely to succeed at like which yeah. startup option are you more more prone to to making work for you um so i think being really self-aware is kind of yeah honestly no when you're starting a business uh like self-awareness cannot be underestimated like just yeah. having good self-awareness around your strengths your weaknesses your like tendencies all of that kind of stuff um is really important yeah. so like for example for me I knew that trying to do an employer round and work a full-time job while starting my business, I never would have gotten there. 
Yeah. Also self-awareness. I knew that um, even though I have great relationships with my family, I knew that asking them for money, just where I was at in life and the stage of life I was in would have um, strained my relationships with them. And I knew that those relationships were really important to me. And it also would have put yeah. too much, like, I don't know, uh, accountability on me to, <laughs> <laughs> but also like I wouldn't have been able to follow my gut on how to start this business. Yeah. I would have had to listen to other people too much. And I knew that that would have taken a lot of the joy out of it for me as well. Yeah. So, I mean, the reason I did it the way I did it is partially because it made sense with the business model, mm-hmm. but also partially just because I knew myself well enough to know the cons of the other two were larger than the cons of the one I went with, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's all just a balancing act. It is a balancing act. Yeah. I think, I like the credit card option for me just because I was the one on the hook for it all. Like I knew I wasn't, if I messed up, I was the one that had to clean up the mess. It wasn't going to be on anyone else. It was on me. Right. But at a different stage in our lives. Yeah. Um, I think I would have gone a different. Yeah. A different route. Route. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I mean, there's not a right, there's obviously not a right way who should no. do which one really, you have to look at your business model. What business are you trying to start? Do you need, if you're selling like a physical product, Mm -hmm. chances are you need some cash that you may or may not have on hand to get inventory going. You might need like a where, I mean, I would say anyone who's just starting off again, like I'm speaking specifically to our people here. Like there are other people who are starting businesses doing it different ways. Um, But to, to our people who are doing it in like the neighborhood of how we did it, you want to start as small as you can and sort of try yeah. to vet the, vet like, the idea, especially first, with make... products. Like before you go and buy yeah. a warehouse and buy like $20,000 yeah. worth of inventory, yes. see if you can, you know, use your living room and buy $3,000 worth of inventory. And just, like yeah. your profit margins will be lower for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you don't have economies of scale, but like just, just try it and see if it's viable. Yeah. Like see who bites, see, you know, what works, what doesn't that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing is look at your business model, figure out how much cash do I need to get the business model working. The other thing is like, look at your, what you need to survive and figure out like how much time do I feel like I need to get this off the ground? Yeah. Um, and then look at you yourself and be like, what, how am I most likely to succeed? And you know, yeah, knowing yourself. And then at the end of the day, you just gotta pick one and go. I wanna just pick one and go. I wanna end us on a quote by oh, okay. Teddy Roosevelt. Ready? Teddy R. Teddy R. You'll probably know it, but I'll read it because I like it a lot, and I feel like it's very into what like we're talking about here. You just gotta pick one and go. Okay, Teddy R. Here we go. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Mm. You just got to go. Dare greatly, pick, everybody. Pick one and go. <laughs>